Hey Crimeaholics, welcome back to our podcast. It's Holly and I am so excited to share today's episode with you. I'm not sure about you guys, but I have this major love-hate relationship with unsolved deaths. Those ones that leave you wondering, how in the heck did this happen? And there's just so many questions left unanswered. Today's episode is about the mysterious death of Joshua Maddox. Joshua Vernon Maddox was born on March 9th, 1990. His parents were divorced and Joshua lived with his father and his two sisters, Kate and Ruth. Joshua and his family lived in Woodland Park, Colorado, which is a pretty small town of only about 7,500 people and is fairly close to the Air Force Academy, which I know that we have a few listeners that are quite familiar with this area of Colorado, but for those that aren't, this isn't too far outside of Colorado Springs. Joshua was known to be carefree and just a total free spirit. He enjoyed being outdoors and embracing nature. He also had a major love for music as well as writing. He did very well in school and just seemed like an all-around good guy. In one of the pictures of Joshua that I found from his days in school, he can be seen with a huge smile on his face and beautiful shoulder-length brown hair. And his hair, let me tell you, is hair that most girls would envy. He was also well-built and stood about 6 feet tall and 150 pounds. Joshua, being the outdoor and nature lover he was, often would go out for walks. And that's exactly what Joshua set out to do on the afternoon of Thursday, May 8th, 2008. He told his sister that he was going to go for a walk and he would be back later and he left the house. As the hours went by and Joshua never returned, his family started to feel a little bit concerned, but they figured he'd be back eventually like he always does. The following morning, Joshua's father, Mike, decided to start calling around to see if anyone had seen or heard from him. Call after call, everyone said the same thing. Joshua wasn't at their house. They hadn't seen him or been in contact with him at all. But again, his family just assumed that he was trying to blow off steam or something. Two years before, Joshua's family took a devastating blow when Joshua's older brother, Zachary, took his own life after struggling with depression for quite some time. Joshua took this loss the hardest, and his family had some fears that maybe Joshua was struggling worse with the loss of his brother than they knew. But they held out hope that he would come back home. On May 13th, after five days of waiting for Joshua to return home, his father, Mike, reported him missing. Immediately, the local authorities began searching for Josh, which I have to say I am impressed that they took this seriously because Joshua was 18, and as we know, oftentimes authorities can brush it off saying that they just walked away to start a new life, that they had had enough, and legally they are old enough to do so. But not the Woodland Park Police Department. They were out there searching for any signs or clues of Joshua immediately. The search started around the Woodland Park area and branched into neighboring counties. They contacted all of the hospitals, checked in homeless shelters, all of which led to dead ends. 
With zero leads and nothing in the area turning up, authorities switched gears and began searching in the Pike National Forest. Pike National Forest is 1.1 million acres of woods. Searches went on, but searching the full thing was next to impossible. No answers came from what searches they did do, and eventually the weeks turned into months and months into years, and still not a word from Joshua or his whereabouts. The case essentially goes cold and remains cold for seven whole years before the bizarre truth comes out about what happened to Joshua Maddox. Joshua's older sister, Kate Maddox, later tells Huffington Post, quote, The situation doesn't make sense at all. We were really expecting him to be anywhere in the world, and he was actually very close, end quote. And very close he was. In August of 2015, just two blocks away from the Maddox home, property owner Chuck Murphy was beginning to tear down an abandoned cabin located on his property. According to the Gazette, this property had been in Chuck's family for about 60 years, and this cabin that was located along Rampart Range Road in Woodland Park, Colorado, was once known as Thunderhead Ranch and was used for illegal gambling, served excellent food, and had can-can girls for entertainment. Eventually, the cabin was lived in by Chuck's brother for 30 years, and by the time that Joshua Maddox went missing, the cabin had been left vacant for 10 years. Chuck Murphy is the president of Murphy Construction and was in charge of tearing down the cabin as part of a construction project that was going to create single-family home lots for sale. He recalls to the Gazette that he and other members of his family would occasionally go into the cabin to give it a once-over, just to check on it and make sure that nothing was getting inside of the cabin or there wasn't people holed up in there. He recalls that inside the cabin the last several times that he had gone in there over the years had a real bad smell, but he just assumed that there was something that had gotten inside and died somewhere. Construction workers went into the cabin and began dismantling the chimney brick by brick when they made the gruesome discovery. Inside the cramped chimney space was a mummified body of an unidentifiable person. The body was found upside down with the knees above their head. The legs were also dislodged from the body and a hand was raised to the face. The remains were later identified by dental records to be that of 18-year-old Joshua Maddox. Initially, the coroner said he believed that Joshua had died of either hypothermia because it was fairly cold like in the high 20s at night or dehydration. The cause of death was listed as an accident. The coroner ruled that Joshua likely climbed on top of the roof of the cabin, went down the chimney to gain access to the inside of the cabin, and got his 6-foot, 150-pound body wedged inside, upside down. And the case was closed. But three days later, it was reopened to be re-examined. Once Chuck Murphy got word of what they ruled his death as, he had something to say about it. He insisted that there was absolutely no way, no how, that Joshua had gone down that chimney from the roof. Chuck claims that he himself had installed a wire mesh installed across the chimney about one row of bricks from the top. He says that he put this wire mesh there because 
they didn't want any animals climbing inside of the cabin. Investigators, however, argued that they didn't see any grate or mesh when they first responded to the call. Again, Chuck had something to say about that too. He stated that his crew had collected all steel, angle iron, and things of that nature to haul off for scrap metal. With all of these explanations, Chuck is completely debunking these absurd theories that Joshua climbed into the chimney from the top. But what is even more baffling about this case is what investigators found inside of the cabin. Inside the cabin, Joshua's clothing was found lying next to the hearth. What I haven't said up until this point is that when Joshua's body was found, he only had a light thermal shirt on. He had no pants, no shoes, no socks, no underwear, just a thermal shirt. Not only that, but a heavy breakfast bar from the kitchen of the cabin had been ripped out of the wall and then pushed directly in front of the fireplace, completely blocking it. So let's stop for a second and just go over what we just learned. Joshua's clothing was found inside the cabin, which again debunks that theory that Joshua wanted to break into the cabin and enter it from the chimney. Because if his clothing was found inside and he truly did want to shimmy down the chimney, this meant that he had to have gone inside first, then stripped his clothes, gone back outside, climbed onto the roof while practically naked, got somehow past this wire meshing grate, and then got stuck inside of the chimney head first. Now, my first thought was like, okay, maybe this is plausible. Maybe he was on drugs. I personally have never used drugs, but I have heard they can make you feel some kind of way. So perhaps this is a option. But according to the medical examiner, Joshua had no drugs in his system that he could tell. Granted, considering the time that had passed and the advanced state of decomposition, it's hard to tell for a fact that drugs weren't in his system, but that's what the medical examiner ruled. The second issue with all of this is the fact that that breakfast bar was pulled in front of the fireplace. So if Joshua decided to strip and go onto the roof to shimmy into the cabin from the chimney, he would have already known that that breakfast bar was directly in front of the fireplace opening which would have blocked the entrance into the cabin completely. Coroner Al Bourne came out and said, quote, We've come up with the most plausible explanation, and it will remain an accident. He did come down the chimney. That's our conclusion. But when he was asked about the clothes being in the cabin and about the breakfast bar blocking the chimney, ultimately they were adamant that there was seriously like no proof that Josh climbed up the chimney or no proof that someone stuffed him up the chimney. His only explanation about the wire mesh was that it likely wasn't there when Joshua went down the chimney because it likely rusted away. Since there was literally no evidence to indicate foul play, the case was once again ruled as an accident and it was closed. However, during all of this back and forth about whether it was an accident or not, police were receiving tips about a potential suspect who was going around bragging about what he had done to Josh. And according to the medium.com, the police ignored every single tip that they received. But one of the people who had called in a tip took to Reddit to talk about it. But I just want to stop here for a hot second and say that some of this is speculation. 
There are some facts to it that is proven by articles, but the whole story as a whole is a lot of speculation and hearsay, but we'll go over it anyways because you just never know. So this Reddit user says that he went to high school with Joshua and was one of his really good friends, and he claims that Joshua started hanging around a guy named Andy quite a bit before he went missing. He states that some of his friends were told by Andy that he and Josh were hanging out quite a bit and had made plans to go to New Mexico. Now, this Andy dude is actually Andrew Newman, and he has various criminal charges against him, including assault of a police officer, disorderly intoxication, grand theft, and battery. Andy ends up heading to New Mexico in 2009, like he and Josh apparently had planned, but obviously Josh wasn't with him because he had gone missing in May of 2008. While in New Mexico, Andy stayed with a friend named James. James was a caretaker for a disabled man, and one evening while the three of them were at the apartment, James decided to go and take a shower. But when he comes out of the shower, he finds that the disabled man was stabbed to death and Andy was gone. Months later, Andy is wandering around Texas somewhere, knocking on doors of houses asking for food and water. Cops come and take Andy in, and after running his fingerprints, they realize that he has a warrant out in New Mexico for the stabbing, as well as a warrant in Washington for burglary. It was at this point that Andy confesses to killing another person. This time, it was a woman in New Mexico that he had apparently killed and stuffed her into a barrel. Which comes to find out there was a woman that had been found inside of a barrel in this area that Andy claimed he had left her. But for whatever reason, authorities already had someone arrested for that woman's murder and Andy wasn't charged with anything. And who knows at this point if Andy just saw it on the news and wanted to try and claim that he did it or whether he truly did kill that woman. I'm not sure, but other Reddit users truly do think so. Now, one thing I'm not sure about is the stabbing of this man. I couldn't find any reliable news sources about this incident. However, I did see in a few videos that apparently charges had been dropped for this case for some reason. Again, I am not sure 100% how reliable that information is. But what I am sure of is multiple people making claims that Andrew Newman was going around telling people that he killed Joshua and put him in a hole. From everything that I could find, Andy was last in custody in March of 2019. I tried searching for him currently in all of the states that he has a criminal record in, and he was not in custody in any of them. So I'm not sure where he is right at this moment. I did, however, see a remark on a blog post that I saw that it stated he was possibly in a mental institution at this point, but I'm, again, not sure. This case is so flippin' baffling and odd and nothing is quite adding up and I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say about it and what you think. A few final things that I did want to add is that apparently there was one other suspect that I couldn't find the name of. But apparently it was ruled that he couldn't be involved because he was too small to stick Joshua's body into the chimney himself. Another thing I wanted to touch on was the fact that it was ruled that Joshua could have possibly died of hypothermia. 
And I saw people making comments on a YouTube video saying that people, when they are dying of hypothermia, they tend to strip their clothes off. Even though they're dying of being cold, their bodies react in a way to their brain thinking that they are actually hot. So they begin taking their clothes off. However, my problem with this theory is the fact that Joshua was literally two blocks away from his home. So if he was cold and trying to warm himself up or if he thought he was hot and trying to cool himself down, why wouldn't he just go home if he was that close to his house? The final thing I wanted to wrap up with is the coroner's ruling of an accident. Al Bourne, the coroner, stated in an interview, quote, I know it's not a natural death and I'm confident it's not suicide. My other options are accidental death homicide, or undetermined cause of death, end quote. Ultimately, what I want to know is why he ruled accidental opposed to undetermined. Because though there isn't necessarily any evidence of homicide, there isn't any definitive without a doubt evidence that it was an accident either. So why not just call it undetermined? If you guys aren't already a part of our Crimeaholics podcast discussion group, I highly suggest you join it. You can find us just by searching on Facebook, Crimeaholics Podcast Discussion Group. In our group, I will have all pictures relating to this case, and there will also be a post where you can discuss theories and leave your opinions. Also, if you have heard things about this case that I didn't mention, please feel free to hop in and let us know what you've heard or if I got something wrong. You can also find us on Instagram at crimeaholics.podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe on your preferred podcast platform so you're notified every single time a new episode goes live. Crimeaholics, that's all for now. Until next time, be aware and take care. Music